0: This podcast is brought to you by Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. This is David Marquez, the artist of Ultimate Comics, Spider-Man, and the upcoming The Joiners in 3D from Archaea. And you are listening to the two-headed nerd comic cast with Joe and Matt. Break it,
1: break it down like
0: good. Welcome to episode 115 of THN. Where we're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, May 15th. That's 215th. My name is Matt Bomb. That's at Matt Bomstein on the Twitter. And when I'm not teaching Girl Scouts to make crepes with the help of a gin fizz or three, I write the Comic Speculator blog for WordPoint.com. I did that yesterday. Good job. I volunteered.
1: Yeah. And I'm Joe Patrick. That's at JoePatrick116 on the Twitter. And when I'm not tricking my co-host out of bed at 8.30 on a goddamn Saturday... In blatant disrespect of his alcoholism, I'm the manager of Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and the artist slash co-creator of Good Plus, which you can find at goodpluscomic.com, He's the one who decided to make crepes instead of record
0: with me. That is ridiculous. I was volunteering, sir. This week on the show, you'll hear reviews of Dream Merchant Number 1 and Dream Thief Number 1. After that, we'll ride our spirit animals through the aboriginal dream world during a ludicrous speed round. And then, we'll meet our buddy Sleepwalker in the THN Sanctum Sanctorum for drinks and a glimpse of next week's comics. And finally... We'll screw up our schedule to take a look, it's in a book, when we review Star Trek Countdown to Darkness in honor of this week's release of Star Trek Into Darkness, but before we get to all the dream weaving, let's take a moment to tell Seven of Nine to move over as we give new hot Trekkie Alice Eve permission to enter our bridge, which sounds like she's going to totally ram our butts,
1: and then we'll talk about this week's Big news! You're welcome, America. In a move obviously inspired by my answer to our last question of the week, Marvel has teased the return of a certain Team Super Team from the 90s. I'm pretty sure I said team two times I that think time. you did
0: say Team Super Team. Team Super Team. <laughs> team, Super Team. The
1: following sentence appears in the solicitation for August's Nova number 7, featuring a clash between the title character and the superior Spider-Man. Nova's eventful worldwide adventure rockets roaringly into our renegade spider. Good God. Now, take the first letter of each word from that sentence and put them together. What do they spell? New Warriors, baby!
0: I thought you were going to make me spell it.
1: Nope. <laughs> now, as much as I'd like to think Marvel is doing this just for me, there is a legitimate story reason why it's likely that the New Warriors are reappearing. One of their founding members is none other than Rich Rider, the original Human Rocket who has been presumed dead since the end of the Thanos Imperative. Now, Matt, we've been looking for answers since the new novel was introduced, and I think we're about to get them.
0: I think we are too, but I don't think Rich Rider is going to be in the New Warriors.
1: Oh, no, I don't either, but I'm just glad they're finally getting around to Fair yeah, no, it. Fair enough.
0: We need to know what the hell happened. Star-Lord's
1: back, Thanos yeah. is back, no mention of Rich Rider. You they had even, to know
0: something was building. And they even mentioned Star-Lord in the Cancerverse and everything. Like they, yeah, they, they did. They have front and center, so... I don't know.
1: Yeah, but I am, I am really glad that we're going to, if not a full-fledged return of Rich Rider, at least some sort of closure Something. to his story. And hey, if the New Warriors come back as a result, you know me and Ora McWilliams are all for it. Yeah, it's super neato. Super neato.
0: Right? I mean, and it'll be good. It'll be handled well. I just didn't, I have no, I don't share the same affinity. So I'm
1: not No, I understand. Uh, really, this was just an excuse. It was, the Nova thing was just an excuse to get to talk about the new Warriors. Fair enough. Sorry. I manipulated you. Because somebody
0: demanded it, Rob Leefield is hoping to bring Brigade back to comics, and he's following Top Cow's lead to do it. Leefield has started a Kickstarter campaign to fund the creation of the reimagined Brigade series. What is Brigade? The Kickstarter page spells it out. Quote, The premise behind the new Brigade is that all time and space is under constant attack by a multitude of threats. Each attempting to alter the course of human history. Oh shits. a brigade of heroes is assembled by John Stone, aka Battlestone, who com- who commands a diverse I wish that was the Battle Space Stone <laughs> 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 Who commands a diverse unit of heroes uniquely qualified to defend humanity and preserve the fragile order of things. And uh, preserve the fragile order of the things, you know? <laughs> but that's a saying. Let's I know, be I know, fair, I know. The I know. fragile order of Unlike things. Unlike the Cyberforce promotion, which promised the first five issues would be free if the fundraising goal was met, the amount of free Brigade issues depends on the amount raised. If the Kickstarter campaign meets its goal of $17,500, the first two issues of Brigade will be free to consumers. With more free issues added, if that goal is exceeded, Joe... Do you plan on contributing the Return of Brigade,
1: or are you not extreme enough? I am not extreme enough. Neither am I. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> I certainly don't begrudge the man his, you know, chance to bring this back. And fair if the enough. fans yeah, I mean, if the if the fans speak with their wallets and donations, then so be it.
0: This is the ultimate measuring stick.
1: Now, to be fair, the comparison to Cyber Force isn't exactly accurate. I think Cyber Force is Thing was, their goal was like 72 grand. Uh, I don't recall what the exact goal was, but it was way higher than this. Yeah, their goal was way higher, like many times higher. And if they met their goal, they put out the first five for free. Right. And they did. Right. This might be a better way to do it because, you know, if you can, he re- reached a smaller goal, then the more icing on the cake, you know, the better. Sure.
0: He's aiming lower. That's yeah. good. I mean, and, I suppose.
1: I think, uh, like, if you look at his rewards for the, for one lucky ten thousand dollar donor, they will receive all twenty two original art pages for Brigade Number One, and the cover art to the cover of their choosing because there will be variants.
0: It is the ultimate Rob Lee fan's dream. Ten grand. I mean, for the low, low price of ten k. But I mean, <laughs> how many other
1: comics can you buy the entire set of original art for less than ten grand? I I mean, or for ten grand. I don't know.
0: I, you know, it, and if you love him. Maybe that's kick-ass. I just don't love Rob Field, and I
1: don't care about Brigade. No, it's true, but But it's an interesting interesting way to go about it, and I think we're going to see a lot more of this, especially now that Cyberforce was a success. Yeah, we're going to watch this. We'll follow up on it. We'll see how he's doing. And we will put a link to the Kickstarter in the show notes for those of you out there that feel so inclined. Get your wallets out, people. Get on it. Finally, writer-artist John Byrne has a reputation among fans and fellow pros of being something of a curmudgeon, to put it lightly.
0: I would say dickhead. Okay.
1: Now, however, Byrne has stepped forward to make an act of extreme generosity. On his forum, Byrne posted that he's offering up over 800 photocopies of his original art from books like The Amazing Spider-Man, Marvel The Lost Generation, X-Men The Hidden Years, and more. And he's willing to offer the entire collection to whomever ponies up the most cash for charity. What a guy. I know. In his post, Byrne writes, quote, By this time next month, about June 14th, whoever can show proof of having made the largest donation to charity wins the whole box. Your charity choices are the American Red Cross, the ALS Foundation, the American Cancer Society, and the Humane Society of the United States. Plenty of other worthy causes, of course. But those are my personal top four, so please pick from them. You will, of course, be able to write off the donation on your taxes. While the pages are just reproductions, this is an incredible opportunity for a fan to get a glimpse at Burns work in progress and I, maybe...
0: I thought maybe he wrote this part, too, like in third person. No, 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 no. no. This,
1: <laughs> we're back to Joe Patrick. Is he insane? <laughs> this is an opportunity for a fan to get a glimpse at Byrne's work in progress and maybe catch a peek of stories that never made it into print. Now Matt, I know you have a cold black void where your heart should be, but it's I true. think this is pretty great. No, this is pretty great. And
0: I, I I think it's an excellent idea that more creators should do. Uh the photocopies
1: thing. I mean, like, is that cool? I think that's well, cool, right? The, the thing about that is photocopies in the production of art, especially back when it was all on paper. Right. Were used for a lot more I mean, they're not they might not necessarily just be like Xerox, you know, whatever. I think that's what this is. But like that kind of stuff was used for like color templates and sure. for inkers. I mean, this is this is all part of the process. And there's a reason he has it. It's still cool,
0: regardless, because most people couldn't afford, you know, a bunch of original John Bernard. Sure. Armor.
1: I mean, consider today how much some people spend on prints. Right. Those aren't original pieces this, either. It's
0: essentially a print. That's yeah, what it is. Yeah.
1: I mean, and I don't know that there's a difference. The prints are frameable, you know, right. full color, whatever. And this is still cool. It's still it's still Super neat. Especially for a fan. And his choices of charities are all excellent causes. The yeah. Red Cross, the ALS Foundation. Yeah, definitely. I would not expect this from John Burton based on his reputation. And I think it is really nice that he stepped out and is making this offer.
0: Yeah, this is sweetheart stuff. Rather than selling them on eBay. And, you know, it keeps his name in the news, too. I mean, good for everybody. There you go. All right. God That's the big news for this week. If you'd like to discuss these stories or anything you think we missed, head over to our Facebook page where you can read about Joe Patrick recounting his story of being punched off the toilet in a public restroom at Wizard World Chicago by John Byrne himself. That guy's a real jerk. Kicking in the door to your stall like that, punching you off
1: the toilet. I haven't washed my face since.
0: Each week, my favorite curmudgeon, Joe Patrick, posts the question of the week on Facebook and Twitter, and we not only read your responses, but if you call us on the Skype, our Skype name is TwoHeadedNerd, and leave us a message, or call us on our new Ziggurat Direct phone number, 402-819-4894, we'll play them back on the answer of the week audio blog exclusively at TwoHeadedNerd.com. Joe Patrick, what did we ask these nerds this week?
1: This week's question was... How has a comic creator's actions or attitude changed your impression of them for good or ill? This is a deep one. Let's not make it all negative. No. <laughs> if you want to hear us making fun of your answers along with our own personally biased responses, go to 2 and check out the unedited, not safe for Will Eisner, Answer of the Week audio blog this week sometime. Sometime this week. Whenever. You can read about Will Eisner throwing up on the back of Joe Patrick's head. <laughs> Martin O'Dell Ever. falling asleep as he's autographing my sketchbook <laughs> what is left for me to do?
0: it's review time at THN where Joe and I review two of this week's new comics in search of the comic of our dreams Joe Patrick what'd you read this week
1: My review this week is of Dream Merchant, number one, from Image Comics, written by Nathan Edmondson, with art by Konstantin Novosadov.
0: Yeah, Novosadov.
1: Yep, there it is. Novosadov. I'm calling it. (laughs) He Russian. Here's your solicit. Haunted by recurring dreams, a boy named Winslow is hunted by mysterious beings and protected by an old traveler. Soon, Winslow will realize that what is in his dreams... Is what the rest of the world has been made to forget, and what strange entities will stop at nothing to erase from his mind. I would, I like to, I like to say that, like, like Metallica,
0: right, mind from his mind.
1: Yeah. Now I wasn't sure what to expect from this first issue. It's far from Nathan Edmondson's usual work. It doesn't have any of the globe-trotting intrigue of Who is Jake Ellis or the real-world black ops adventure of the Activity. No spies. No spice. Luckily, Edmondson takes his time setting up everything about the world of Dream Merchant, or everything we need to know right now, at least. This issue is double-sized, and Edmondson takes advantage of every page. Dream Merchant number one is paced very well. It doesn't feel too drawn out or, like too much, was dumped on the reader all at once. The story here has a real ethereal quality, which fits very well with the dream theme, and I was really impressed by it. It's nice to see this kind of diversity from Edmondson, who up till now... Like we said, I've really only seen him on action books. Yeah, Who's Jake Ellis, the activity grifter, <laughs> you know that sort of thing. This is definitely a departure. Definitely, the art by Konstantin Novosadov adds to that ethereal tone quite nicely. His art style is odd and angular. He uses very thin lines and doesn't overdraw. It reminded me a lot of Michael Avon Oming, uh, you know, in a good way.
0: Definitely, definitely. Also, Guy Davis, very much in the way yeah, that he draws enough. like people.
1: Yeah. Novosidov has a great sense of pacing and storytelling as well. I wasn't surprised to learn that he has a background in animation. It shows oh, yeah. in, you know, the, his panel transitions and the way he frames things. Dream Merchant number 1 reads like the first act of a great movie. The creative team doesn't waste any time padding the book with things that don't matter, and this double-sized issue breezes by as a result. Plus, you get twice the content for only 350. Not too bad. This was a really strong debut issue, and I'm excited to see where this is going. I'm giving it a buy it.
0: I agree. I'm giving it a huge buy it as well. I love when companies do this with number one issues. It's either really big for three fifty or regular size, but it's a dollar. I think it's a great idea. And oh yeah, it's a really good way to hook people on a series too. And I'm totally hooked here. It was beautiful to look at. Really well written. I think Nathan Edmondson is a super exciting writer right now. Yeah, and to yeah. see him change from this, uh, he just finished Dancer which was the one he another was doing spy an image, book yeah. which,
1: another spy book which was great fantastic. yeah and like we say that not to say that he has he has a type you know that he's stereotyped no, that's just what he all of doing. his books are amazing
0: yeah that's just what the guy was doing if he was pigeonholed he did it to himself yeah because he was that image so he's paying for it but regardless this was fantastic can't wait for more great art by novosadov and man I'm, I'm in i'm totally in i'm yeah. excited buy it Hey! <laughs> Matt, what did you read this week? I read Dream Thief, number one, from Dark Horse. This was written by Jai Nitz with art by Greg Smallwood. Here's your solicit. After stealing an Aboriginal mask from a museum, John Lincoln realizes that the spirits of the vengeful dead are possessing his body and mind while he sleeps. His old problems have been replaced by bloody hands and the disposal of bodies. Now, remembering where he spent last night has never been more important, exclamation point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I judged this book by a cover. Yep. And it's a painted cover by Alex Ross that looked kind of homoerotic in a Starbuck from the 1980s Battlestar Galactica kind of way. Yeah, kind of. Then I judged it on the weight of the writer, Jai Nitz, who I knew from writing Green Hornet stories that I didn't particularly care for. Then I judged it again after I read the solicit, which wasn't helping at all. Add all this together and you'll understand why I was completely shocked when I was immediately pulled in by this story. John Lincoln, the hero of our story and main character, is a deeply flawed, self-absorbed stoner that opens the story waking up after a drunken night of cheating on his girlfriend. He is not a likable guy. He's not a good person. He's extremely hard to love, but I have to say his many flaws make him far more believable than any of the Golden Boys starring in almost every other comic book on the stands. The dialogue here was really well written, very believable, very fluid. There's little touches to the story that made it just really human. There's a scene where John and his buddy, who's an ex-college football star, stop in mid-sentence to watch a, a curvy, voluptuous woman walk by. And it, it was just one panel, but it was this very human moment yeah. that you don't storytelling is very good. Yeah, and the and the references to college football stuff like the Oahu bowl and, you know, the sugar bowl that his buddy won. That's great stuff. It gives it a real world feel. Nitz also hints at this family connection to the mask that they mentioned in the solicit that sets John on his adventure with segments of a letter from his father, I believe, yeah. sort of interspersed with John's own narration. And it's really, really effective. There's a great last page here. Is basically the end of the father's letter that really clues you in on something and shows you the direction of where this book is going to be going. And it's a great story so far. It kind of reminded me of a human target meets Quantum Leap starring a young Charlie Sheen. Yeah.
1: Okay. <laughs> uh, character wise, like in terms of the concept, you know, it reminds me a lot of the most recent incarnation of the Crimson Avenger. Yeah. From Jeff Johnson's JSA. Yes. Where she was basically possessed by these guns. Right. And she was doing their bidding, not the other way around. She was sort of a ghost rider type character. Yeah. And they would just pull her from place to place and force her to do these things. And this is very similar. For some sort of cosmic justice or whatever.
0: This is very similar in that vein, but when he is possessed by the spirits of these dead people, he gains their... Skills, right? He's got all their knowledge. Like one of the dead guys is a boxer, Mm -hmm. and so when he goes, and he suddenly knows how to dispose of (laughs) bodies. Yeah, when he goes to get his revenge, he beats the hell out of this guy, you know. And it's really, and he maintains them too after the fact. Like he maintains their
1: skills, which is really cool. The art by Smallwood is really, it's really amazing. Nice. <laughs> I, I want to talk for a second about the design of the book. Yeah. That's, Not just I, the art. That's where I was going to go with it. Just the way that the panels are structured, there are no black lines. There are no b- panel borders. Yeah. So they're just floating they're in midair like colored each blocks. Each yeah. And the way they're pieced together is, it's just stunning to look at. Unfortunately... I read a review copy, okay, in PDF form. Oh,
0: with the dark horse watermark,
1: and it was it, it was top to bottom. The oh. pages were stacked in one long PDF, top to bottom. So I didn't get the effect of like the full the two page spreads. Okay, you
0: can pull the PDFs into Comic Zeal, you know.
1: It wouldn't. I couldn't get it to open.
0: Oh really? Yeah. Oh, because it it'll correct that in Comic
1: Zeal. Oh shoot, I'll I'll have to try that and look at it again. Yeah. But I could tell the way it was structured mm-hmm. that the way he laid out the book was just really inventive. And it was so
0: cool too because you don't even notice it at first cuz the panels are just sort of stacked on each other. And as he gets more and more into the the dream mask and what it does, the panels start to fall apart. And then yeah. the panels start just like tumble into each other.
1: And what I really liked was that when he was drawing on other people's experiences, yeah. you would have like an inset panel mm-hmm. laid over laid over of the main character so like for example, if he's punching out a guy, you'd have a smaller panel laid over his face and part of his arm that is an image of the guy whose memories he's accessing yeah like that
0: character like training like, like it was a, a composite heavy bag or something of you know? the two Ugh, yeah
1: really great yeah, like really, i
0: was floored by it really interesting and it, it, his art he kind of reminds me of like a Chris Samney meets a Steve Rude Steve uh Chris Samney for sure yeah where he's got like he's not the most technical style but he's so good with showing emotion and very expressive. Yeah. It, very expressive. The mood is fantastic here. And his colors are gorgeous. And he colored this book as well. Yeah, he was credited for all of the art. Yeah, and the colors were very much like the panels where the book starts off. In, I mean, not plain, but it looks very standard, standard. Like a comic book. every day. And as he gets deeper and deeper into the dream world and the mask and what's going on, the colors go bonkers mm. and it just get nuts along with the paneling. And it worked really well this is not at all what i thought i was getting into and i am more than pleasantly surprised huge buy it here i'm totally on board for buy it one.
1: from me if you couldn't tell we're we were totally impressed by this issue yeah very we're... strong debut giant it's. i was saying who knew i was saying to the to jason the guy that owns legend the only thing i remember reading from giant is el diablo oh from dc I forgot about that and i just I mean, it was drawn by Phil Hester. I couldn't care less about it. Was it was bad. It was dumb. I don't even know if it was bad. I just... No, it was it bad. It seemed so unimportant. They tried to turn
0: El Diablo <sighs> in, into Ghost Rider. Right. And it was terrible.
1: But this this is such a strong effort on Jainitsa's part and and his artistic partner. Pick this up. Yeah. Do not...
0: Don't pass on this We.
1: I will, I will admit, we under-ordered because we are like, Ugh. Well, it looked terrible. Unknown Dark Horse property by a guy nobody's really heard of. And it looked terrible and like alex ross god love him he doesn't sell everything no and we were caught off guard yeah don't miss out pick this up
0: this looks like another dynamite golden age redux with a super violent character it's not at all no brainy heady really good comic booking buy it
1: very pleasantly surprised so that is a double buy it for dream merchant number one and for dream thief number one of course we want to know what you cheating stoners and insomniac lunatics thought of these comics so try not to wet the bed while sharing opinions over at the comments section for this episode and if you do stay on your side at twoheadednerd.com It's been a long week, and we just can't seem to keep our eyes open, but when we do cuddle up for a good night's rest, the action begins. Join us now as we mount our spirit animals, I'll be riding Luckjaw, and of course Matt will ride Battle Pug, as we chase down a giant Freddy Krueger head with bat wings through our twisted, nerdy nightmares, all while reviewing ten comics during this week's Ludicrous Speed Round. Ludicrous Speed! Go! Justice League of America's Vibe Number 4 from DC. Just call this damn comic Vibe already. It's I a know. dumb
0: title. Sterling Gates is writing The Return of Gypsy here. <laughs> and anyone who bought this comic for a Batman appearance might be pissed. The art by Manuel Garcia and Fabio Neves is Neves. is really good. They are both very talented. There's a good direction for the character here, but I'm just really tired of evil Amanda Waller still.
1: He didn't skip it. Manuel Garcia drew this.
0: He's one of the like, artists from
1: Bloodshot. Yeah. Wow. Avengers: Enemy Within, number one from Marvel. This is the first part of a five-part crossover between Captain Marvel and Avengers Assemble, both of which are books you should be reading. Captain Marvel's powers are killing her, and Earth's mightiest hero refuses to go down without a fight. Is it cancer? It's not cancer. Shut up. Kelly Sue DeConnick delivers her usual excellence, and the art by Scott Hepburn, while kind of odd, kind of grew on me by the end. Plus. The return of the all-female supervillain wrestling team, the Grapplers. The Pound Cakes. (laughs) This is a no-brainer. Buy it. I don't remember no Grapplers. Thunderbolts number nine. They were all murdered by Scourge. Oh. (laughs) Okay. Thunderbolts number nine from Marvel. You know,
0: we started talking about this before the show. Joe Patrick read the first Thunderbolts and had a huge affinity for that series. I've read some of it, and I know it's good. I haven't read the whole thing. But I like where they went on with the Thunderbolts, where they took different bad guys and put them on the team and so on and so forth. I think it just kind of lost its way. And this team doesn't work for me. It's not a poorly written book, it's just hard for me to care about it. If yeah. it was called something else, I might
1: give this a bite. To be fair, it, it's not fair to judge it just it's by not. its name. It's not. It could be called Purple Monkey Dishwasher. But I also don't like the way Daniel Way writes The Punisher and Electra.
0: So I mean like there's more reasons that I'm saying just skim it. No yeah, it's fair. But skim it. Okay. Edgar Allan Poe's follow of House of Usher, number one, from
1: Dark Horse. I have never been a big Edgar Allan Poe fan, but I keep gravitating toward Richard Corbin's comic book adaptations it's creepy 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 Corbin knocks it out of the park here visually he's got this kind of soft somehow the lines are really soft yeah and near painted color they're astounding to look at and
0: everything looks like a glazed donut <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I,
1: and I guess it's the artistry that really draws me in rather than the story that's unfolding because it is kind of like it's a little cheesy but I can't really give it a full recommendation because it's just so bizarre but it's definitely worth a look Skim it. Buy it for me. Moth City, number one from Thrillbent. This is a new digital series over at Thrillbent that just appeared this
0: week. Tim Gibson is the artist and writer, and he spins a really nice high-concept tale of murder in a dystopic Chinese city. I couldn't really tell if it's future or present, and I don't know if that's even really important. Yeah, you know, What is important is very cool art here. It reminds me of Matt Kins' mind management. Very cool digital effects in the page turns. Thrillbent's doing a really good job with their digital comics. I gave it a buy it, but it's free, so you don't have to buy it,
1: but you should read it. Mark Wade's Green Hornet, number two from Dynamite. I gave it two issues, and the verdict is in, I don't really care about the Green Hornet. I don't care either. Still, this is well-done, pulpy, masked adventure comics by Mark Wade. I don't care. And it's got great art by Daniel Indro, but it's not for me. It's not for me, but you may feel differently. Skim it. Who cares? Wow. Regular show number one from Kaboom. If you watch
0: regular show, you will love this. I watch regular show. I loved this. If you don't, I don't know that you care. Unlike the Adventure Time, regular show has a ridiculous pothead timing to the dialogue and the stories. And I don't know if that translates well to comics. Like, a big important part of the show is the way characters talk and sound. That's not so much with Adventure Time. Adventure Time is funny. It's because it's a big, weird, wacky adventure with all kinds of different characters. I think regular show might work better as a show. If you're a fan, buy it. If you don't know about it, watch the show first. Skim it.
1: Battlestar Galactica, number one, Dynamite. I don't have much of an affinity for the old Battlestar Galactica. I do. But I was hoping that the cosmic gods Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning would be able to hook me Sadly, I thought this was just okay. And the super dated style looks really ridiculous once you remove any fond nostalgia from the mix. Yeah. It's all big hair and medallions. Yeah. Hairy chests. Yeah. Big mustaches. Jagged <laughs> space carpet. <laughs> Bloodshot
0: number 11 from Valiant. Barry Kitson comes on as the artist, and as always, he looks great. Here we see Bloodshot defending the kids he's freed from the Harbinger program from the Hardbringer program and when he comes face to face with Toyo Harada the leader of the Hardbringer group horrible s*** happens to Bloodshot's face it turns inside out yeah. it's really bad awesome, unstoppable bad guy meets unstoppable bad
1: guy terrible s*** happens, bye I will say about the about Bloodshot like half of the book is repeated almost page for page in Harbinger Wars number 2 so you know, it's a little dicey it's got different art, but the events and the script are the same. Oh, uh, okay, okay, I'll give you that. You do see it from Bloodshot's point of view. And I will say say also that the kids that he rescued are from Project Rising Spirit, not from the Harbinger Foundation, which took me about 12 issues to finally get straight. Oh, that's right. Yeah, but it's confusing. There's they a lot of weird running. little psychic kids the around. The Hardbringers were coming for them. The Hardbringers were coming for them. That's right, because they
0: wanted to make them Hardbringers.
1: Enough. Ludicrous speed Good guy yeah. I, I still love it Doomsday point one Number one from IDW It's Doomsday Just like Aaron Myers I am a sucker For a new John Byrne project And this is Byrne's version Of a Michael Bay disaster movie yeah. It's cheesy It's over the top It's Armageddon And Deep Impact Smashed together in comic form And I loved it Really? Yes Thank god I look I gave it a buy it because it was literally like reading Armageddon. Didn't he punch you off the toilet once? No, that was made up. <laughs> was that Michael Bay? <laughs> maybe it was Michael Bay He really had me watch his car over and over Breathe, breathe,
0: breathe. That is your ludicrous breed Brown and breathe is the sound the alarm makes when the Cylons attack as seen in this week's Battlestar Galactica number one. Our friend Sleepwalker joins us in the Sanctum Sanctorum this week where we'll be enjoying a cup of his famous Sleepy Time Tea made with peyote. Just a few sips, peyote, and we'll be transported to the dream world collective subconsciousness of our favorite sleeping comic creators where we will pluck the secret of next week's comics from their dreams. That is some trippy sh**. Well, Joe, stop peeking in on John Byrne's wet dreams and tell us. What will you be reading next week? Didn't that guy punch you off a toilet once?
1: <laughs> you do not want to look in there, trust me. My pick for next week is Green Lantern number twenty from DC Comics. Written by Jeff Johns, with art by Doug Monkey, Ethan Van Skyver, Ivan Rice, Patrick Gleason, Cully Hamner, Aaron Cooter, Jerry Ordway, and more Exclamation gang. Point The whole gang. Here's your solicit. It's the final battle against the First Lantern and the Guardians in this, the exercised finale of Jeff Johns' historic run on the title. Plus, don't miss a special retrospective on Jeff's run on GL.
0: I predict the good guys win, but only sort of. (laughs) Yeah.
1: We've (laughs) talked about it before on the show. We're kind of cooling on the whole Jeff Johns thing. Mm -hmm. And it's not that he's not good. I think maybe he spread too thin. I think he got too busy. And I'm hoping that this at least lets him wrap up his run with a bang maybe set up something nice for the future Robert Venditti's coming on the book could be fun and he writes X-O Manor War, which we
0: love totally love it but I don't want him to leave X-O
1: well maybe he can write more than one book maybe let's not get ahead of ourselves let me
0: submit this if he sucks here do we have enough evidence to say that DC is a completely poisoned environment and good creators cannot do good work
1: there but we know that that's not true because some good creators are producing good work there mm-hmm
0: we'll see it's true the evidence is mounting sir <laughs>
1: okay in your fevered brain yep. but yeah the bottom line is I'm just I just want Jeff to be able to wrap this up he maybe stayed on a little too long to be quite
0: honest I don't know that his formula of doom and gloom in the future is coming and we have to build an army to fight it like I don't know because he's done it like three times now and it's been great I loved it
1: but I don't know if it would work again. Um, no I'm tired of it
0: yeah I'm tired I think this is the last you know
1: hurrah you, you can only have mega crossover followed by mega crossover right. followed by mega crossover in the same three books it's right. happened
0: so many times in the end of the universe like every like, oh Jesus this is already time yeah, like, for the end of the universe again
1: I'd really just like to get back to help <laughs> Jordan didn't I just leave this party fighting space pirates <laughs> yeah, or whatever, something yeah you know? Matt, what's your pick for next week?
0: My pick is Bounce, number one, from Image, written by Joe Casey, with art by David Messina. I love David Messina. I do, too. And I love Joe Casey, but this solicit does nothing for me. Let me read this. (laughs) Meet the ultimate slacker superhero for the 21st century. Jasper Jenkins is a superhead. What does that mean? A super dash head and a superhero, exclamation point. He's relatable and reliable. And he's embarking on the adventure of a lifetime, exclamation point. The sensational debut of the new feel-good hero of the decade, exclamation point. You can't afford to miss it, exclamation point.
1: But you know that that's not what it seems, I don't right? Know, I don't know you that, know that just, it's not. I don't even know what the,
0: what the hell that means. But I know I love Joe Casey. I know I love David Messina's work on Star Trek, which we're going to talk about in just a little bit here. And I think this is going to be a ton of fun. I think it's just a bad solution.
1: Well, that's fair, but sure, you can't judge a book by its solicitor.
0: It's true. I tried that, and what happened? I was wrong. What happened? You were wrong. Our trade of the week next week goes to Godzilla, The Half-Century War, from IDW by the absolutely amazing James Stokoe. I love this guy, and this book was bonkers to look at. Absolutely wild, and unlike other Godzilla series that I don't particularly care for, This one very much had the spirit of the old movies. It took place in Japan with Japanese characters, mixed in some other characters, but it was so much fun. Pick this one up. One of the best Godzilla comics I've ever read. And of course, we want to know what you're looking forward to next week. So be sure to tell us about the disturbing Bill Willingham dream you stumbled into (laughs) and what you plan on reading over at our Facebook page. Facebook.com forward slash two-headed nerd.
1: That guy's into some weird, like, animal stuff. Hey, like us while you're there. We need some more likes. We need more... Ooh, you know what? The likes have gone way up. They have in the last couple weeks. I want more. I will definitely want it. Yeah, more is better. Normally this week, the comic pushers would be here slinging their comic crack... Guess what? I don't have to rap this week. No. In your face. Next week. But with the new Star Trek Into Darkness film opening this weekend, I saw it last night and it was amazeballs. Shh! It only seemed right to review the comic prequel to the movie Star Trek Countdown to Darkness during our monthly Take a Look It's in a Book segment. You may recall the
0: Star Trek Countdown miniseries back in 2009 that set up the Star Trek film reboot, written by screenwriter Mike Johnson with art by David Messina. Well, they got the band back together to try and capture a phaser bolt in a bottle once again. Here's your solicit. The countdown to the motion picture event of 2013 begins here in the blockbuster four issue prequel miniseries that sets the stage for the upcoming Star Trek film. Like the best-selling Star Trek Countdown in 2009, this all-new series leads directly into the next movie with a story by Star Trek writer-slash-producer Roberto Orsi and Mike Johnson, Star Trek, ongoing series, and drawn by the original Star Trek Countdown artist Dave Messina. Star Trek Countdown to Darkness is the can't-miss leading to the new adventures of the Enterprise crew! Exclamation point!
1: Just like... (laughs) I just want them to
0: know how serious is that our this new is. thing now? I don't know. Maybe it's just my thing. I don't know.
1: Just like in Countdown, Countdown to Darkness promises to set up the new movie, and IDW has gone as far as to say that reading this story will give you insight to the film that might give you an earlier aha moment than those who are too cool for comics. Matt, what did you think
0: before we get into what I think? I
1: think they were maybe talking about the Star Trek series.
0: You saw the? No, they said this. This should you saw the movie last night. I have not seen it yet. I'm going tomorrow. Super excited. Did you have an aha moment that you could directly link to this story? Was there anything? Was no. There, there was nothing. Okay, that's my big question. Was this a successful lead-in to the movie? Without spoiling anything, did you feel that you had knowledge that perhaps the people sitting around you did not no. have going to the movie? No. Okay. Does that make this read... Any less for you? It was still a good read because I don't know. I'm I'm going to the movie tomorrow, like I said, and it, yeah, I very much enjoy this. This right,
1: it, this series was very good. It was a lot of fun, uh, but even when I finished reading it before I'd seen the movie, okay, I finished reading it, and when I got to the last page, I went, "That's it." Okay, I have like a there was nothing. Feeling. There was nothing in the story to me. That made me think, oh, this is building to something big. Right. Because it wraps up completely. I had the same exact feeling. <clears throat> it wraps up completely, and then on the last panel, there's like a, oh,
0: yeah. Star Trek. I had the same exact feeling. Like, I got to the end of it, and I went, well, that was really good. Well written. Pretty to look at. But not as advertised. But, yeah. I almost felt a little ripped off,
1: because I was like, well, what are they going to do with this? Where? How does this go into the movie? And I haven't seen the movie, but it I've seen do, the trailers. I mean, it does take place in the world of the movie, okay. And it definitely they do eventually make some hints about a large. Oh, there's a larger conspiracy, or you know, they make those okay. kind of weird overtones, but nothing that made me go, "Oh, I get it." They're really building to something that adds to the story. And then once I saw the movie. There were literally zero references to any of the events in this comic. Okay. Which, you know, I wasn't expecting an overt reference to the comic. Now, I will say with Countdown, the first Countdown,
0: <sighs> they definitely touched on stuff that led into the movie. Oh,
1: I think Countdown, I think Countdown is essential reading. It- Totally prepared for going uh, right? for going into the uh, the first JJ J Abrams. Star Trek That's how movie. I
0: felt. I felt like it totally I, it prepared enriched me the
1: experience and without it made,
0: giving away the big twist that it,
1: made that movie so. It great. made the fanboy in me much more accepting of the reboot nature yes. because it was just like, look, it's all okay. It's all yes, you know, it all diverging. Counts. It all counts. It all coexists in one happy memory. This was just. This could have been the last four issues of Star Trek ongoing.
0: Okay. Why? And that's my next... I guess that's where I'm going with this. Because this played out like a really good Star Trek story. Johnson and Messina have the formula completely down. Messina does a great job making everything look cool. The Enterprise looks awesome. The actors look like the characters in the book. And they even do like the lens flash thing that J.J. Abrams <laughs> sure. loves to do, you know. And I got a kick out of the return of a very old character here. I don't know if he's in the movie or not. And there's no way that, like, I don't want you to spoil it for me. I'm not, we'll just pretend that you didn't shake your head, either yes or no. <laughs> <laughs> because we're doing an audio podcast, you know.
1: That's but why I didn't say anything. Why was did a, you call it out? It was a
0: character from the 1970s animated series. That I, I, Pardon me, it was a character that I haven't heard of. Since the 1970s animated series, and I was kind of pumped that he was, I keep saying he, I'm giving it away, that they don't were even there. Don't say
1: animated, because even that's a, that's Th- a giveaway.
0: Not necessarily. Yeah, kind of. I don't know if it is, but like I said, I've yet to see the movie to see if this character shows up. I really hope that they do, but I didn't, I just don't feel as excited after reading this.
1: Alright, well let's go into the movie separate. as I
0: did it with Countdown. I think you have to compare it to Countdown because they told us, they said, Yes, you've gotta read this. this yeah, and a,
1: you didn't. It's a big bleed into the movie. Alright, I'm gonna I'm gonna venture into very, very mild spoiler territory. If you've seen the trailer, you've seen a moment where Kirk and McCoy are running through this field of weird plants and they jump off a cliff. Right, and there's right? red people chasing them. Yeah, there's people chasing them. Mm-hmm. That is That scene is all about the Prime Directive. Right. Uh, they're trying to do something without violating the Prime Directive. And that's what this
0: story was all and about. And
1: that's how the movie opens, right? Mm-hmm. So that is the opening scene of Star Trek Into Darkness. This comic book is also very heavily influenced by the Prime Directive. Should it's we all about... Should violate the Prime Directive? There's blah, a genocide blah, 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 blah. happening
0: on this planet. We can't interfere with it. It turns out the Klingons may be involved. And then they go, Well, let's interfere, you know, and so they kinda of violate the prime directive.
1: Yes, they don't they totally violate the prime directive. But it
0: was already violated by
1: someone else first. Yes. And so when I saw the movie and then I compared it to the comic, while the events are different, the circumstances are the same. It's just it's an, it, it it adds nothing. To me, to to me...
0: So, like, you're saying the characters in the movie might not have even known that that this story took place.
1: Yes. Like, if I'm reading... If I'm watching the movie with knowledge of the comic, and I am assuming that Kirk in the movie has these memories of what Kirk did in this comic... Right. I would say, man, what is it with this week? (laughs) Two instances of me having to (laughs) violate the Prime Directive? (laughs) Wow! You know... So, uh,
0: on that basis... It seems repetitive. I can only give this a It, But let's separate it from the hype. I can't. I don't think you can. I think you have to... I have to punish this story because of the hype. But... Is it a good story? Yes.
1: Should it have just been... As a standalone story, it's very good. Right. And it should have just been maybe the last four issues of the regular Star Trek ongoing. Well, and that's not... That's even beside the point because it's going to be in a... It's going to be in a trade just like everything else, so who cares? I suppose... I'm saying that if you can divest yourself of the hype, just forget about it. Don't worry about how it leads into the Star Trek into darkness because it doesn't. Enjoy it for what it is. It's a good story with great art.
0: I'm giving it a skimmit. I'm giving it a skimmit. Yeah. I'm giving it a skimmit. See? I don't mean to bully you, but there it is. I mean, I just I felt at the end of it when it when I got to the very last panel, I went I'm sorry. This was good, but why do I why does this lead me to the I just feel like you build it as a prequel. Had they just set it up with four issues of the Star Trek series saying, hey, it touches on some stuff that may or whatever, I'd be fine with it.
1: I just feel like downgrading it is punishing the creative team for the sins of the marketing department.
0: Hey, I'm sorry, but they're all work together.
1: That's like being mad like being mad that now all my Hellboy trades have huge stickers on them that say now a major motion picture.
0: I was mad about that because the movies sucked.
1: The movies don't suck, but I don't want those stickers. Both
0: of them sucked.
1: Let's just leave it at that. Oh, was it me?
0: Yeah, so just say yeah. so that's a double skimmit for
1: Well, that is a double skimmit for Star Trek Countdown to Darkness.
0: I may have bullied you into your skimmit. Well, fair is fair. I don't care. Fair is fair. You deserve it. <laughs>
1: Look at me not arguing with You're you. You
0: giant man boy.
1: You're fighting with me for no reason. I'm <laughs> just trying to get you. If you have a suggestion for a trade or graphic novel you'd like to hear us review, send it to us via email with a subject to take a look. And of course, we want to know what you thought of Countdown to Darkness and the new Star Trek movie. So violate our prime directives over at our Facebook page.
0: Ooh, my prime oh. directive.
1: Write my prime directive. <laughs> sort of, sort of, break, it, break it down like this. <laughs>
0: And that's it for the Only in Dreams episode of THN. If you dream of us shirtless and shimmering with sweat while discussing comics every week, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes or Stitcher, where if you want to prove your THN love, you can leave us a star rating or a written review or a
1: Stitcher thumbs up to help us connect with other potential listeners. Huge thanks to all of our past donors. And if you'd like to help keep us in NyQuil and Lunesta... You can make your donation in any amount using our adorable little PayPal button at TwoHeadedNerd.com. I'm using NyQuil pretty regularly right now, and I don't—it makes me feel funny.
0: I mix Lunesta with red wine, and it makes me drive my car in my sleep. <laughs> While you're there, you can find links to our Twitter feed at TwoHeadedNerd, our email, TwoHeadedNerd at gmail.com, our YouTube channel, THN Comic Cast, no spaces, our Skype handle, TwoHeadedNerd, no spaces again, and our, There's always no spaces. There's
1: never any space. Just helping everybody out.
0: And our new direct phone number, 402-819-4894. Tattoo it on your forearm where you can send slash call us with your asking her questions. Or ask the comic pushers what you should be reading. Or ask us to review yourself published comic be it printed digital whatever exclamation point and don't forget to check out all the new content from the THN love slaves at twoheadednerd.com including the all new all different tales of the TV dubs by our very own Tony Doug Wright who has now hit us with two articles in two weeks damn that guy is and they're good. epic like this last one was 3,000 words I don't know maybe he's on something it's all about the Atari Jaguar I'm into it don't get off the drugs and the return of Girl Meets Nerd featuring a lip sync battle between me and my wife on our very own new
1: YouTube channel. Plus, Willie Toots just sent me an email listing all of the things he wants to write about. And that dude has nothing but time on his hands. Let's bring it on, Willie. Remember to follow us on Twitter and like our Facebook page if you want to get in on the question of the week discussion. And if you want to hear your fellow listeners' answers as well as our own, be sure to check out the 2 web-exclusive not safe for wigwams Audio blog The answer of the week I'm sorry That's a little racist oh, In,
0: oh, Indian feather Not Indian feather. Got it
1: Next week oh, man.
0: The comic pushers Are back Slinging small Bagged and boarded Packages of highly Addictive comics But Before we go Our weekly shout out Goes to Joe Patrick what? Who is now a published Comic book cover artist With the latest issue Of Brian DuPont's Pecos bill Number two Word to you, DJ, and we'll have info on how you can order Pecos Bill on our site. Until next hey, time. I got the shout-out. Look at you. Until next time, true believers. Remember to pre-order your comics. Your retailer just might kiss you on the mouth for it. This is Two-Headed Nerd, signing
1: off. See you in your dreams. Exclamation